0: Hey listeners, I'm Eric Taylor, and this is The Hair Game. By show of hands, how many of you are listening to The Hair Game Daily Alexa Skill? I can't see you exactly, so I'll just have to trust you. It's a daily highlight clip from one of our 108 episodes delivered to your Alexa-enabled device every day. Education, inspiration, all the goodness every day. Hit the link in our Instagram bio to find it loot giveaway time. I'm not in the office today, so I'm calling Donovan on the bat phone. The hair game phone. This is a $150 Amazon gift card. Hello. Hello. Are you ready to draw the winner of the $150 Amazon gift card? I am ready. I got the bag. Shaking it. Going in, we have Ben White Does Hair. Ben White Does Hair. DM me at Love Eric Taylor or the hair game podcast and send me your email so I can send you the 150 bucks. Donvin, thank you very much.
1: You're welcome.
0: At the end of the show, I'll tell you what we'll give away next week. Now to Charlie Gray. Charlie, thanks for doing this, man. You flew all the way from the UK, Yep. right? London is your home base, Yep. and you are the International Creative Director of Men's Spire Education. Yes, indeed I am. And what's kind of cool about you is how much everybody, especially the men's hairdressers, love you in LA. You reckon? Oh, yeah. I don't know. You guys tell me. No, it's true. No, they do. Um, I don't do hair, so I can't say, you know. But all the men's hairdressers in LA love you. And Menspire and and everything that you guys are doing. So it's super cool for us to do this. And I know that you and I have been DMing back and forth for like two years. You did a class, I think, at my salon in um, Hollywood in 2017.
1: 2017, is that right? I looked at our DMs. Two years ago, yeah. Yeah. Back then. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, it was. So So nice to finally sit down and get something recorded. Yeah, it's about time, isn't it? So let's talk about where it all started from you, where are you from, Mm. and how did you find your way to hair?
1: So I have grown up in the UK my whole life. And I grew up just on the outskirts of London, kind of like North London areas. And I didn't really get into hair until I was about 19. Um, I left school when I was 16, went straight out of school, which is what you can do in the UK. And I went into college to pro- proceed into a football career, which um, which was good for a year or two. Um, I was playing kind of semi-pro at that time. But like many boys, it just kind of phases out after a while, and you've kind of got to take life seriously, you know? Of course. <laughs> and by the way, for, for the uh,
0: American listeners, football eats soccer. soccer. yeah, soccer, yes. sorry, 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 sorry. I, I like how you say it, soccer. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> It's funny because a lot of people th- from LA think I'm from Australia, which is really strange. <laughs> I'm not yeah, sure why that's, that is. That's
0: embarrassing. Yeah. But uh,
1: <laughs> we'll just proceed. Yeah. So um when I turned nineteen I realised I wanted to get more into more more of a career. I didn't think football was gonna really take me where I wanted to get to in life. It didn't really didn't really, you know, give me the I want to get up every morning and, and, and go and do this kind of feeling. And um, always had a creative mind, always had a creative kind of side to me. Wasn't good at drawing, wasn't good at painting at school and, and, and that side of things. And it, it was actually just someone's suggestion within my family that said, You should try hair. And I was like, What do you mean, try hair? Like, I, I'd never, no one in my family is a hairdresser, no one in my family is a barber. I didn't know any friends that were hairdressers or anything at the time, so this was like a complete new thing for me. I didn't, I didn't know anything about the hair industry.
0: Were you creative in the way that you styled your own hair? There must be yeah, some. I was kind very
1: particular about my hair. I used to, you know, even when I was going through school, I used to. Um, you know, get a hairdresser to cut my hair and um, I used to have highlights and I used to style it. Loads of cool different styles like mullets and all sorts of horrible haircuts that I look back at now and I cringe. But I think everyone goes for them stages, don't they? To be honest with you, you know, I think if you didn't look back at your old pictures and cringe, I think you weren't doing something right. If you <laughs> look the same as your picture <laughs> yeah, 15 years ago, that's a no. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely don't. I definitely don't. Um, and then, I, yeah, I kind of explored into the hair industry and I applied at a few different salons. Few salons didn't get back to me or didn't want me to go and work for them because of my age of, not, of being 19, which I didn't really think was that old, but in some hair salons in, in the UK, they see they want assistance at 16, like fresh out of school, because they, they they can charge cheap labor and they can mold them into whatever.
0: And, and you guys don't have uh, hair school the same way we have hair school,
1: right? No, um, it's slightly different. Legally, you don't have to have a um, qualification in the UK to even work in a shop or even own a shop. You can literally train yourself, open your own shop without any qualifications which is kind of quite strange. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 80% of the population that in hair do have a qualification because it is like the proper way to go through it. Okay. So you can do an apprenticeship with a salon, which is what I did, or you can just go into college for like a year or two years and do an apprenticeship. Okay. So I did on the job learning as an apprenticeship, did my college one day a week through the salon. It was a company called Hob Salons, HOB. They're a very big London company, um, similar to kind of Sassoon and Tony and Guy, um, that, you know, precision haircutting kind of thing. Had a great education um, through them for a few years, um, and then worked my way up as a stylist. And then eventually, after a few more years of that, I um, just wanted to get more into men's hair. And this is kind of where Men's Bar was just about to launch, and I, uh, I met Josh. Okay. So that's kind of, uh, that's kind of my story and how I got into hair.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you, you learned in the salon as an apprentice. Yes. And two and a half years. Two and a half years yeah. in the salon. You were going to college at the same time, yeah. one day a week. You said, correct. Are you learning hair-related things in college? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So specifically studying hair in college and in the salon. Correct. Which sounds like just about the best thing that you can do. Yeah, and right? you're getting
1: paid for it. And you're getting paid It's an for it. apprenticeship, so right. you know. What I mean, it's not a lot, <laughs> but correct. you're getting paid for it. Right. <laughs> and yeah. You're learning better than job. zero. Yeah, and even when you're not at college, you're still watching other people cut hair. Right. Which is important, I feel. Yeah.
0: And yeah. you're seeing the practicality of the way that life is in the salon, right?
1: Yeah, you, you know, you can't buy experience. They say, mm-hmm. you know, and um, valuable experience um, in the salon, you know, and uh, it builds character. And I truly believe that. Um, my first ever day working in hob, I was made to scrub white marble floor. You know, in the middle, of the um, was it called the uh, the grout? Yeah, yeah. With a toothbrush. Oh, yeah,
0: the grout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that,
1: that was my first day.
0: Wow. For how long? In a All hair day? salon.
1: Well, for a few hours, you know, okay. and that was my experience. That, that was my welcome. This is a life of a apprentice hairdresser, and yep. I was like, fantastic. <laughs> you got to start
0: somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> to start I know. In the grout. Start That's Got to start on the low. floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a horrible story. Too. So,
0: how long did it take you to get? Off of the floor and in, into <laughs> hair.
1: Um, so their training was very, um, very unique, very prestigious, and, and very hard. At, at, at the time I was training, you know, only fifty percent of people would actually go through the whole training and pass as a stylist. The rest of them would just get let go. And um, it took me two and a half years to pass my final exam, wow. like internal exam, through them. But it was a great two and a half years. Like I, I achieved a lot as an assistant. I used to do competitions. I um, entered into many photographic competitions, won them, the men's ones. And I got entered into the GHD um, Young Artistic Team when I was an assistant. So I got to start traveling around the country with GHD, doing lots of cool shows and fashion shows and all sorts of stuff. So it kind of opened my eyes up at a very young part of my career to the other areas of the industry, which I was kind of quite fortunate about. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm. So then after the two and a half years, you get a certificate from Hop.
1: Yeah, so you get like a, you know, um, a a Hop diploma plus your NVQ um, diploma as well, which is your nationally um, recognized certificate. What does that stand for, NVQ? NVQ is, uh, I have no idea what it stands for. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's your legal qualification to say that you can, uh, you've can you legally passed your exams in, okay. in, the, in the United Kingdom. Got it. That's what that is. It's, but, your, it's your basic certificate.
0: But you don't have to have it. To you, get don't have to have it.
1: you don't have to have but it. But it just
0: says, I'm licensed and I'm yeah. highly qualified It's
1: I've, I've undertaken professional quality training and I've got my certificate you so know. at that
0: point can you um, are you good enough to develop a clientele had you developed the clientele by then
1: um, I had developed a small clientele I was Cutting a lot of people um, privately at, at, at my mum's house. I used to have a loft conversion and um, like where it all starts out in a kitchen or a mm-hmm. bedroom. I used to have a really cool loft conversion in my mum's house when I was you know 1920, and I I turned half of the bedroom up there into a makeshift salon. You know I, I, I had three guys lift a big barber chair up up into the loft, and I um, you know I just I just made a cool little station up there. Mm-hmm. And every Friday Saturday night, you know I used to work uh, ten hours a day or whatever it was in the salon as an assistant. You know your first in last one out. Then I used to go at home at like 8, 8 p.m. at night and I used to cut hair till 12 o'clock at night with all, yeah. all my friends. You know, I loved it. Yeah. I wanted to indulge myself in, in hair throughout oh. the day, throughout the night and yeah. it was great, man. It was such a good time of my career. Like, did you make them pay? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah nice. Not to start with. I, I used to have to beg my little brother to, um, to start cutting hair, but yeah. I think everyone's been through that as well. And then yeah. I, and then it was five, then it was 10, then it was 15 and then yeah, it was yeah. 20. <laughs> like, That's
0: really you know, funny. Yeah. You
1: just got to build that up, haven't you? You know, That's
0: really funny. Time is money. I'm going to admit something to you. Yeah. So I have a six-year-old boy and an eight-year-old girl. And I've been begging my wife to let me cut my six-year-old boy's hair <laughs> yeah. since he was born. She won't let me. Because I'm not a hairstylist. Right. Yeah, I've never cut hair before.
1: But you, must but, have, but, oh, but you must have watched a lot of hair. I've, wa- yeah. I've watched a lot of yeah. hair.
0: And, of course, we put on education every week in our salons and all that stuff. And I have shears. I've got these things, right? We're mm. a distributor of 25 of the biggest brands all these things, but I've never actually got my hands in hair. And um, I've sat through Sassoon classes before, yeah. you know, in the academy. I know all the, the teachers, and I know the students, and I've been there so many times, but she won't let me cut my son's hair. <laughs> so I'm like yeah. a frustrated salon owner-non-hair I feel that. I feel that.
1: <laughs> maybe you'll get there one day. Yeah, maybe.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, wh- so what do you do then? You're at Hobb, You stay. You stay at, at Hobb as a hair stylist. Yeah.
1: So I st- I, um, I qualified as a stylist after two and a half years, and I stayed there for about another year and a half, maybe two years, working my way up as um, you know a stylist, um, assistant manager in one of the shops, um, and then I just had more of a love for it. You know, you just have that gut feeling inside of you. don't know what it is. Um, it was something about the environment in a woman's salon I, I used to struggle with, um, it was a very um, high percentage of female to male, you know, the ratio, I think I was like, the, like there was only like two guys in my salon and there was 15 w- women, you know, w- w- which is great, you know, I was a young guy, um, you know, for some of that I was single and it was great, you know, you could flirt all day and that, but then after a few months that kind of wears away a little bit and you're like, okay, I'm listening to girl chat like 24 hours a day. I'm kind of turning into a girl, and it's just like, <laughs> I need more of a manly environment. Not only that, but I just, I just had more of a passion for cutting men's hair. Okay. It was as simple as that, you know? Like, I, didn't, I didn't like doing big bouncy blow dries and, and, and all that shenanigan, you know? But I gave it a go. I gave it a go, and I just, it just didn't really, didn't really motivate me that much, but men's always did. So that's what, at that point, I knew maybe I was gonna go down that route more. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So, so uh, you said about that time? That's when Men'spire started.
1: Yeah. So Men'spire. Um, oh God, don't quote me on this, but I think it's two thousand and like what year are in now? Two thousand and nineteen. Yes. Five and a half years ago. Okay. Two thousand fifteen. Okay. Two thousand and fourteen. Yeah. Sorry. Two thousand fourteen. Yeah. About two thousand and fourteen, Men'spire um, came about. Um, a guy called Samuel Palmer and Josh LaMonica set the company up for the salons, the men's bar salon yeah. brand. And um, I was their first employee. Oh. Um, for them, so it was just me and Josh and Sam, the two owners, working in the first ever Men's Spire shop. Cool. It was a four 4 chair shop, you know, a very small little place, yeah. and um, it was great. We built up a really big v- clientele very, very quickly. I mean, we all had clientele anyway, so the shop became absolutely booming straight away. Why? Uh, um, because we were doing things that no one else was doing at that point, um, in terms of the crossover between barbering and hairdressing. Mm-hmm. The reason why Men's Spire became about is because Myself, Josh and Sam, and, you know, Josh and Sam before they even opened the salon, they always knew that there was a big gap in the market for... Barbers who wanted to learn more scissor work and hairdressers who wanted to be more confident with clippers. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. I think everyone knows that crossover has been going for a little while now. Yeah. And Men's Buy kind of hit the nail on the head on timing. There was no other like male image and grooming brand that was that had that crossover or had the skill set to get that crossover. In the UK, especially, you know, I don't know about the rest of the world, but um, UK is definitely kind of more at the forefront, I feel, for, for a lot of hair. and. Um, yeah the, the we set the, the shop up and um it just absolutely started to boom really and then we saw our social media presence started to grow and um yeah and then obviously a lot more happened after that yeah of course a lot more has happened since then
0: of course so w- you jumped on instagram about the same time 2014.
1: yeah i probably jumped in i was probably on instagram for about a year before that but i wasn't really posting a lot of hair stuff it was more just like a small little private account posting a little bit of hair when i was doing some session work and fashion weeks and stuff like that it was just a few dibs dribs and drabs but i wasn't posting regular content of haircuts on there until i started men's bar when i wanted to kind of make that more my work account and really push my work in terms of men's hair yeah
0: and so were those guys uh pretty thoughtful about instagram so did they did they encourage you they encouraged you to do it
1: yeah definitely yeah definitely we we've actually got a picture of our men's bar account when it's got like 30 followers Mm -hmm. and now it's on like one hundred and thirty thousand. you know so we've grown it in about five years from that to that like organically as well um and it's just great to see the organic growth of a brand and of us personal people within a brand yeah because we've all grown our own personal brand within the men's bar brand yeah which which is important i feel I, i find as an individual you know you need to have them personalities within the brands yeah because that's who people—that's what people like. They like to see you as an individual person, right. rather than you hiding behind a big, a big brand. You know?
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, consumers want to know that a brand is not this faceless corporate entity. Yeah. You know, a big ivory tower with um, who knows who at the top. Yeah. They want to know that there's humans there. Of course, yeah. every brand is made of humans, mm. but sometimes the humans behind the brand don't put themselves out there.
1: No. No, I think it makes it more personal, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, relatable. More relatable, more personal. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's good to know the people that you're kind of investing into, kind of, you know? Like we always say about Menspire is, um, Menspire isn't about me. It's not about Josh. It's not about us personally. Menspire as a brand is, is a movement. It's a conscious movement of people that are thinking and acting within the same way, and are opening their minds up about what they can actually achieve within men's hair. Yeah. And we believe we can give the platform to people that whoever wants to come on board and work hard with us. Yeah. Um, so we all work together rather than like, oh, here's Charlie, here's Josh, here's you know Sam or whatever. You know, we don't, we don't. MenSpire isn't about that. As much as we have to be our own indivi- individuals within that. Right. So um,
0: did it and, and now we're heading into what MenSpire has become. Mm. We we said that it was one location. There's now what, five? Um six locations, nearly seven. Okay. Yeah. And so seven salon locations and then it's it's an academy. And then we have our separate academy as well, yeah. Right. Now the, the educational component is um is an online component as
1: well as live, is that right? Um, it's not yet. Okay. It's um, that That's going to be launched this year. See, um, I just let the cat out of the bag. Yeah, do you know what? That's probably the most common question we get asked at the moment. Uh, When's your online stuff coming out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're like, soon? <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's one of the things where it's, it's hard to find time. Of course. Like time is so precious and we do so much traveling and then when we're back in the UK, we're running courses there. When we're not, we need to have some downtime. So where does that leave us to get this online stuff going right now you know we need to allocate time to get it done but it's coming like you know it's, it's definitely coming it's like the next big thing on our list that we're about to conquer right um we've been teasing people for like eight months on it now yeah and like we're getting people frustrated i think right but it's cool because a lot of people have bought out online education this year it's like the new thing right that's coming that's coming which is interesting um we're kind of not sitting back but it's good to sometimes let some people do things first mm-hmm. look at what's what good look at what's working and then do our own thing and learn off of other people's stuff mm-hmm. you know sure. so, sometimes it's not best to be the first one to launch it oh yeah in stuff like that i mean just like in war oftentimes the first
0: few rows of of dudes who go rushing into the battle are the yeah.
1: ones who get slaughtered right, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah sometimes patience um does play a key role yeah of course for me anyway for my whole career i've said that if if I wasn't patient in my career, I, w- I would not be sitting here today talking to you. Yeah, very so wise patience words. Patience has been um, a big key, a big key success for me so far.
0: So how long after Men'spire Salons did you guys launch the
1: Men'spire educational component? So we pretty much launched the education side of it straight away, but it was a very small component of what we would what We were doing you know the the salon was very much at the forefront when we opened that salon um we were only doing education days every other week on a sunday just like a one-day course group of six people shut the salon down do a small intimate class so that's kind of how we started and that's kind of how i started learning to teach Mm. because before i started men's i hadn't really done any teaching before so i I, you know i only became an educator when i started working for men's so i was i was in completely new grounds already let alone going just into Men's I also started taking my education road as well. We were just starting to build our, you know, our one-day courses. Um, from there, it kind of expanded. Um, you know, we started to, to hit the road a little bit through the UK, where we started to spend hours driving up and down the country, delivering one-day workshops. Nothing big, nothing special. Just getting our name out there. You know, this is a very early stage for the education. A um, year and a half, two years down the line roughly, after opening the shop, we were fortunate enough to move premises just up the road, literally 50 yards to a much bigger salon, closed the old smaller one down, the first one, opened up a, mat, a much bigger salon, two-story two, two salon, across the road six months later from opening that. Um, the shop became available um, that was sh- cl- closing down. We inquired, landlord said, um, yeah, you can take it. So we, we opened an academy right opposite our brand new salon cool. acro- across the road, um, which was great. And that was the launch of our first ever Men's Spire Education Academy, um, 2016. I can imagine. So was it the. It sounded like the intention was always to
0: educate. Yes. Was was the initial intention to educate as broadly, um, with such a commitment as you guys are now doing, or, n- or did
1: that mm-hmm. just grow? It it again it all organically grew from demand. Okay. You know, we started traveling up and down the country in the UK. Opened our UK academy. At that point, we started to hit a lot of Europe. So we were like hit. But did you and Josh? Was that like your passion early on? Yeah. Or okay. Yeah, yeah. Josh was doing a bit of teaching before me um, from a, for a previous company before Men's Spire. Yeah. He kind of knew he he always liked that. Um, I always loved watching educators teach anyway. Like I said, I had really good training at Hobb, and I used to watch world-class haircutters demo for me on a daily basis. And I literally used to just look up at them, and I used to watch them in awe of how they were cutting. I used to find it so beautiful to watch, and they used to make it look so easy. And I always said to myself, one day, I'm going to be that good. You know, I, I want to be that good. Right. I would love to be that good or better. And I challenged myself, I think, from a very early stage when I was, you know, an assistant to think like one day I'm going to be stage, you know, on stage or something showing people how to cut hair. You know, I didn't know where and, and what route and where it was going to be, but I knew from an early stage of my career that I wasn't just going to be a salon stylist and I, I, I wanted more than that. So you're that good
0: now. So talk to the next generation of hairdressers who are now the person you were sitting in the thing and and tell them what it takes to get to the level that you're at
1: yeah i mean there's no secret in success i think um everyone everyone will agree on this and you know you'll get a lot of the same answers from a lot of people that have done very well um you know hard work is is definitely one um, and patience is probably your second one if you, if you work hard Keep your head down and stay patient. The right opportunities and the right people will, will definitely come into your path. Um, I'm a firm believer of, of that, you know. Um, I think, uh, unfortunately, the way that the world is these days, a lot of the younger generation and even people in my generation um, want everything now. You know, we live in a generation where everyone wants something now. Why wait? Why wait? Everything's so accessible. So people actually forget the art of being patient and taking the right and correct path which will always get you to success you know people are trying to cut corners and and i don't believe that that's the true way to be sustainable and that and that is really key for what me and josh want to do for our education we don't want to be here for five years we want to be here in 50 years because we want to leave a legacy with with men's hair and what we're doing you know the only way we can do that is if we're sustainable and we keep moving forward with what we're doing you know we're not looking for a quick route or for success you know we're not looking to be insta famous you know for a year or two or whatever yeah. we we're here to, to to you know to leave a legacy like i said um we're very very driven and focused on that all right so what does that mean to
0: uh, the way that you guys are handling your education Mm. So, um, for example, tell me how many, how many different kind of tours you are doing right now. Obviously, you are in LA right now. Um, how many tours are you are doing? How many classes are you doing? And then, what kind of classes are you? Do you have to put out there in order to ensure that you are going to be here fifty years from now, or the Men's Spire brand is going to be here fifty years pr-
1: from now? Good question. So. It's quite an in-depth question, to be honest. It's kind of, I can kind of go down so many di- different avenues. It's actually two
0: questions. So yeah. I, let me break it up for you yeah. because
1: it's a little difficult the way I phrased it.
0: Um, first of all, what are you guys doing right now with Men's Education? Tell us like what your monthly is like.
1: Okay. So at the moment, um, an average month would be visiting probably two or three countries um, and running probably... Well, always a one a one week course every month in our UK academy, which is like an international class. People travel all, all over the world, um, you know, to to come and do this five day course that we teach. It's probably our most famous kind of popular course that we teach. It gets booked up like months in advance. How much does that cost? Um, I think that is about twelve fifty. Okay. Um, one thousand two hundred. Twelve fifty uh, uh, euros. Pounds. Pounds. Yeah. Sterling, yeah. Right. Um, so that works out maybe a bit more in dollars and euros and yeah. stuff, and then people obviously have to pay for, for flights and accommodation. So you know people have to, commitment, sacrifice you know a lot, and then they're out there salon. So I have the deep most up respect um, for people who who come and do our courses. It's it's actually inspiring to be honest with you. Right. Some some of the stories that I've I've had like we have groups of Brazilians that come over and stuff, and their currency is not not great against ours. For example. And we've had classes where like people have saved up for like over a year. They've sold their car. Like they've they've literally like done everything they can just to come and be taught by us. And yeah. like they're literally like crying by the end of the course because they're so emotional. Like it's like their lifelong dream to come and be taught by us. It's like, it's insane. Like it's really insane. Like I didn't know that we you could literally touch people's lives in that way. Like it, may, it gives me the goosebumps to even like talk about that sort of stuff. Like some of the experiences that I've had are, are pretty are pretty touching to be honest. Quite about. a
0: responsibility.
1: Yeah, you could say that to be honest. Mm-hmm. Quite a lot of pressure, you know. You wanna you wanna make sure that everything is 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 perfect, but um, yeah, that's down to us. So you're doing that once a month. Yeah, so we're visiting. Sorry, yeah, we went off a bit, bit of track then. No, we, that was good. Yeah, that was good. We're doing we're doing lots of you know we're we are, we are literally traveling globally. So one month we'll be in America for two weeks or just over two weeks. Next month we you know we'll be in. In Russia, we'll be in Spain, Italy. Like we're literally chucking in small little two, three-day trips all the time, and then also doing longer trips as well. We're hitting, you know, Asia, Russia, Australia, South America, America, literally any any continent you can think of. I think we've hit now. Like we are properly global. You know, it's hard. Like if if we really wanted to. If we didn't have any sacrifices, I mean, if we didn't have any commitments back home, like we could probably be on road 24-7 and never, and never, have, a, never, ne- never have to go home. We could just go from place to place to place. Amazing. But life's not that simple. No, <laughs> of course not. Of course not. Yeah. So, so you're gone, say, three weeks out of the month, right? Oh, it c- can be at times, yeah.
0: Okay. You're out, of the, you're out of the country three weeks out of the month. And I mean, what the hell is that like?
1: Do you you have a family? Yeah, I have family. Um, I have a a mum and dad um, that live separately back in the UK. Um, I unfortunately don't get to see them as much as I'd like to, um, but they understand my job role. And um, I also have a girlfriend, a partner, and um, that can be difficult, trying to balance that. She's a hairdresser also. So she kind of understands the responsibilities that I have within the industry. Um, She knows that what I do is very important to me, and it's kind of like my life project. Um, and you know, kind of at the moment, especially my trips and stuff uh, do come first, but, um, she's very understandable. So I'm, I'm very fortunate that, um, I've got a partner that understands that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Is that the hardest part?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. You know, like I've, I haven't seen her for 16 days now, you know, like she's got stuff going on. She's, she's doing well with what she's doing and I'm not there to support her. Mm -hmm. and it's hard to relate you know especially with time difference and stuff like she's going to sleep when i wake up so um that's probably one of the hardest parts not 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 being with your loved ones i would say it's Mm -hmm. it's definitely one of the biggest sacrifices that a traveling educator can can make yeah yeah especially if you've got a kid I i haven't got a kid or anything josh has got a kid right um since the birth of his child you know he's found it even more difficult to try and get away and and, and, and do these things or has to bring them with him whatever you know? Right. Which he did on this trip. (laughs) She's the cutest little girl. Yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah. She's beautiful. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. So the second part of that difficult question that I threw out to you was, how do you make sure that your education is such that your brand is going to endure over 50 years Mm. and try to frame it so that the listeners, whatever they happen to be doing, maybe they've got their own product. Maybe they're just good behind the chair and they wanna to continue to be good behind the mm. chair. How do you make sure something endures?
1: Good, so first of all, it's key to keep moving forward. I think I think that's quite an obvious one. If you stand still, this industry moves quick, it's gonna overtake you. There's people snapping at our ankles that wanna be what we're doing, what we're doing. It, there's thousands of people that wanna be in my shoes and working in the position that I'm in, and I understand that, you know, which motivates me even more so to do the best job I can to represent the position that I'm in. You know, I'm, I'm a very, I'm not scared of hard work. I never have been. Um, it's important for us to keep developing our courses, which is the key really for us. So we've been delivering many different courses for the last five years and um, we've constantly developed them. So we've always been doing the one week course, which is still our absolute all time bestseller. And it's, it's great because it literally takes you on a journey from Um, The introduction to like longer hair, mid-length hair fade into like creative work like throughout the five days And it's like a a journey where you break people down and build them back up and they leave feeling so Emotional and on such a high that all they want to do is go back to work and cut hair It it, it, it honestly is a really beautiful thing And that's kind of why we love education so much because you can really change someone's life just from giving them a few different tools to, to, to cut um, when we go abroad, we do three-day trilogy classes, we call them, where it's just like a three-day intensive cutting class, you know, lots of practical models. Um, and then we do lots of the one-day things as well. But the really exciting thing is we just brought out a new cr- um, criteria and curriculum of courses, which is called male aesthetics. And um, we launched that a few months ago in our new academy. We've just done our first ever core shapes class, which is a four-day cutting class on mannequin heads to understanding shape, mid-length to long hair um, in LA. No, Portland, sorry. It was in yeah, Portland yeah. that we did that, sorry, right. my mistake. And um, that's the first ever one in the US that we've done, which is exciting. But um, what that is, is it's a follow on course for the people who have done like the one week course or a few different ones of our courses. So it's more of like an advanced course um, for people who are have already done our education system, for who people who want more, because people always want more education, you yeah. know, like five days isn't enough for people. Um, so it's four days on core shapes like i just said then it's a three-day intensive fade-in um, workshop and then it's a two-day um, workshop which is called discovery of disconnection which is finding out about disconnection and creative haircuts so you kind of do the core shapes the fade-in and then the disconnection mm-hmm. once you've kind of completed that you know it could be over like you could do one course a year for example you don't have to do it all at once right. or you could do the the core shapes at the start fading in in the middle of the year and disconnection at the end of the year, you know, you kind of space it out so you have time to to develop. So that's our new curriculum at the moment. Um, We don't believe there's any other education system in the world that's teaching as in depth as we are on them new courses. Like they are really, really in depth, you know, literally cover everything. What
0: are you teaching in LA? I think you're af- after a lookbook, you're doing a three day class
1: in LA, is that right? We did it before lookbook. Got it. So <laughs> yeah, you've yeah. completed your three day class in yeah. LA, which was a trilogy class. Okay. Just and how much day. was that? Um... Do you know what, off the top of my head, I, I actually can't remember. I let okay. Josh deal with all the numbers and stuff. I think it was about a G. Yeah, so I think it's around 900, a thousand dollars maybe, maybe uh, around that sort of price, yeah. For three days? For three days, which yeah. Which doesn't seem so bad. No. Nope. But
0: what if somebody doesn't have the money? What, where would you send them um, for education like this? Not like this maybe, um, but the next best thing.
1: I wouldn't send them anywhere. I would. I, I would tell them to be patient and wait, or we try and help them out in some sort of way. You know, we, we always try and be accommodating. Um, yeah, I, 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 as much as there is some amazing other academies and mentors out there, you know, I'm, not, I'm definitely not, not saying that. I just don't believe people are doing what we're doing in the way that we do it. Mm-hmm. So it seems
0: like social media has made it so that you guys are in high demand, right? Around yeah. the world. Yeah. So you, you like you said, you could be traveling 24 hours a day, 30 days a month, and educating and probably probably not exhaust the demand that you're having around the world for the education. Mm. Let's talk about the other side
1: of social media. What bothers you about it? What, what's the downside? Um, so yeah, obviously social media can be an absolute fantastic thing. You know, um, we wouldn't be where we are without it. I, I, I highly doubt, and I'm sure a lot of other people wouldn't be either. So that's definitely a benefit, but um, yeah, there is some negatives to, to social media. I think it's very easy to, um, to hide behind profiles and things like that. And um, people can become very brave behind a screen. You know, it's not, it's, it's not real life, it's not a real thing. So if they say something negative or rude, which they would never say in real life to their person's face, they're not thinking about the consequences that, that can have on, an effect that can have actually on someone's state of mind. You know, it is technically bullying, isn't it? It's cyberbullying. Yeah. Um, not that I've necessarily had that myself, but yeah. I've seen many people that have had it or people that get taken the mick out of or whatever. And I just think it's a really horrible side to social media and people don't actually think about what they're doing before they write things or post things. Yeah. Um, it can also create a slight fake perception of what we do as a job. I think being an educator in this day and age is definitely one of the most. It looks like one of the most glamorous things that you can do when you're young in the industry. Like Everyone wants to be an educator, and they have been for like a good year or so. We're seeing a rise of the amount of educators there are. Um, you know, Whether that's short-term or long-term, I, I don't know that. But um, people don't see what actually has to go into getting very far with education. You know, It's very easy just to set up a, a look and learn under your brand's name at your shop, you know, once every few months or something like anyone can do that, but actually sacrificing and and, and and putting a lot of money into a business and working tirelessly through the night to design courses and things like that. People don't see that. They just see like the glam, the high life, the like, yo, you're in America, you're in Australia, you're here, you're here, you're meeting all these people, you're going to all these events. Yeah, that is a plus to it, but there's a lot of lows to it as well. Um, and that, that can definitely be a negative on social media. It just creates a fake perception. And uh, I think you should want to get into education and be an educator for the right reasons. And that's what a lot of people aren't doing at the moment. There are a lot of people that want to become educators so they can show off to say maybe they are doing this event or going traveling around the world or whatever they're doing. But actually their intention isn't to help other people. Mm-hmm. It's to make themselves look better. Yeah. You know, and um, it's, it, it, it's a shame because the reason why we got into education is because not only do we want to better the industry and change the industry you know, for the better, but we generally enjoy helping other people and having an impact on someone else's life. Whether that's through standing behind a chair in a salon and cutting someone's hair, which you can change someone's life by doing that, or whether it's through giving someone the tools to be able to do that for someone else. Mm-hmm. Either way, being an educator or cutting hair in the salon, you're still helping people, mm-hmm. but it's just in a different way. So you've probably had thousands of people
0: that you've educated at this point. Yeah. What is the most common technical mistake
1: that people are making? Um, on our classes, mm-hmm. technical mistake. Mm-hmm. Probably not not being clean with their work. Not, so, like sectioning. Yeah, like the discipline. It's discipline. That's what we call it. We call it discipline the control of the comb and the sections you know making sure the hairs wet like the, the, the small things that make the big difference that, that's what it is you know to, to be a precision haircutter it's the small things that make you a you know a great hairdresser you know it's not it's, it's not the big things that you see it's like the small things like head position tension body position body posture like the small things you know the finger position, the way that you move the scissor, like everything that you don't really think about, the things that people miss, you know, they're the things that will make you a great hairdresser. And I think the attention to detail when you're getting trained isn't there. Everyone's just focusing on like a clean fade or something like that, you know, when they're learning men's hair and it's like, cool, like everyone can do a clean fade these days kind of thing, you know, it's not. That's not. That's that doesn't impress me. Like, if you can work with discipline, that, 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 that is a whole nother way of working. Um, And it's a beautiful way of working as well. If you watch someone cut hair with discipline and clean cleanliness, it's it's mesmerizing. I could sit there all day and watch people cut hair, yeah. Yeah. And you think that is because why? I don't think the training is good enough from an early age, and I say that across the world. Not only in the US, not only in the UK, you know, in any country I've been to, the training is not good enough in men's hair, period. It's not good enough from the ground up. There's great advanced courses now. Um, for when you know how to cut hair, you can go and advance yourself. But the level that people are coming out of that from school, from college, it's not good enough. Reason being is because they're still teaching the same things as they were 60 years ago. So the curriculum hasn't changed in the colleges and schools from 50, 60 years ago. But everything else beyond that, in terms of advanced courses like what we're doing, has progressed so much. It's so far away from what you get taught here to what we're teaching here. Yeah. Like there's such a big gap of like technical learning. Like it's crazy.
0: Right.
1: Like some people that have done have, are quite new on how have just been at um, barber school or hairdressing college, you know, whatever. And they've just qualified. They've been on the shop floor for six months. You know, they've kind of got that confidence and stuff. They come on our course. And they just feel like they can't cut hair again as soon as they come on like, one day of course of us. You know? It's not because we're like, trying to be like that. It's just because the level, like I was saying, is so separated. Mm-hmm. Like there's not, you know, it, it should be up here what, what they're getting taught and they're not. I don't know why that is, but it needs to change. I, I believe, I believe. Which actually um, might be a good time to announce that we're actually about to start a beginner's course um, for beginners in our academy in the UK. Um, we're about to do an opening night next week when we get back to London. Actually, so something that a uh, so that a student would go to before the five day, something that no one has ever picked up a pair of scissors before. So like a twelve week See, that's what program. I should go to. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Exactly. That would be sick. We could bring the hair game to the UK. Let's yeah, there you for go. For a week,
1: Down. <laughs> I'd have to put Donovan up.
0: <laughs> that makes it a lot more expensive.
1: <laughs> so uh, yeah so yeah we're trying to kind of like fill that void in the market um, starting in the UK and if that, if that kicks off then hopefully that'll be a big, a big business venture as well but we'll see how it goes pretty cool yeah really cool back to
0: Instagram how yeah. many hours a day do you think you spend on Instagram too long it, 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 give me a guess <laughs> three four hours do you have an iPhone yeah whip out your iPhone <laughs> and just look this is my new thing because iPhone yeah, it's how yeah it tells you do you ever look no I don't either. For a reason. But, but I had the idea coming in, and then um, Kelly O and I talked about it. Charlie is on Instagram, an average of one hour and 38 minutes per day. That's not bad. I got you beat. I'm two hours and 45 minutes. Oh, really? Yeah, you're, like you're, you're
1: like a whole other hour than me. Well,
0: we got like three or four different accounts. but um, and, and it's my primary way to engage with you guys also. Yeah, yeah, no, I know,
1: I know. But, um, I, th- I thought mine was going to be more than that. I think sometimes it is a little bit more, but maybe at the moment, because I've been doing a lot of work, um, I, haven't, I haven't been on it so much.
0: That's fair, all right. You good. don't need to apologize.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to justify
0: myself. <laughs> okay, so if you could wave a wand and change anything in the industry at all, what would it be?
1: I was was talking about this with actually Matty Conrad yesterday, to be honest with you. Um, It's the perception that hairdressers have of barbers and barbers have of hairdressers. For some reason, there's still a bit of a separation. And as much as the world of cutting have crossed a lot, and are jointed you know in terms of how to cut hair and you know men cutting barbers cutting more women's hair and 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 vice versa which is absolutely fantastic so that that's merging but i still feel like the perception of like a hairdresser looking down at a barber thinking that oh you only cut men's hair like it's not that great or something and then barbers not being interested in the technicality of how a woman's hair is cut and they're just interested in looking at a clean fade Mm -hmm. like they're not still the worlds are quite different and they're not appreciating the skill set of one another yet I feel Mm -hmm. and I feel that that's across the pond you know Mm -hmm. across the whole globe that that is whatever country you go to you know I don't don't feel like each of them care enough about one another still Mm -hmm. which I think that will change and I hope it does change um, as, as the two things cross over more Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'd, I'd like to see that become nicer.
0: If you could I have suppose. one redo in your career. I was the god of hair careers. And I
1: said, you can have one thing to do over, what would it be? Um, there's not something that I haven't necessarily done because I feel like I've been very fortunate. Most things that have been chucked in my way in my career, I've been able to do and I've just gone head first into it. Um, so I don't feel like there's anything that I've really missed out on because I think most opportunities or every good opportunity that has been thrown in my path I have taken. So I wouldn't say there's anything that I haven't taken, but there might be something that I could have done differently. Yeah, maybe I've got a funny one for you. So when I was in Italy Doing a big Cosmoprof Prof show. Have you heard of Cosmoprof, Prof? Yeah. The big, yeah, the big thing, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and um, so there was a big one in uh, Bologna that we that we do every year. And um, first year, I went and did it a few years ago. You know, huge crowd. You know, maybe about a thousand people watching our stage. And um, I was a little bit nervous anyway for some reason. I don't know. I was wearing kind of like a, a really cool like long line suit, and I was I was kind of quite hot anyway. I kind of dressed wrong for the whole thing. It was really hot up on stage. About to go and do this big show. First time at Cosmoprof, um, li- we literally landed 20 minutes. No, we literally landed like an hour before we went on stage. Um, wow. we-, we literally got the taxi straight to the venue, 20 minutes. By the time we had got to our stage, we had five minutes to prep. I like, literally met this, met this model, didn't even prep him, like gowned him up, walked straight on the stage. So it was like, it was very rushed. It was very rushed anyway, which, which I hate. I'm very like, I have to have everything organized, but some things when you're traveling, you can't control. When I went on stage, you know, I did the introduction and everything like that, it was great, and then um, I kind of like, the second or third time I spoke, after me and Josh were just working off of each other, um, I thought I'd tell a, a joke that I found was really, really funny, um, it's kind of more of a personal joke between me and Josh, really, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have even said it, but... Um, I said it, but it's, it's, it's not like a small joke. It's like I actually had to explain like a story <laughs> for like a good two minutes. And because there's a Italian translator, like translating everything that I'm saying, things get lost in translation. Yes. And um, especially humor. <laughs> yeah. Humor. I should have known that. But this was when I was a little bit more less experienced, inexperienced said it. You know, I thought I said a funny joke, I kind of giggled. And um, when the translator said it to the crowd, you know, they're just absolute tumbleweed. Like everyone was just like looking at me. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, I was like, I was like this hasn't pulled off then the worst thing is that the translator didn't quite hear me. So she asked, um, sorry, I didn't quite hear you. Can you repeat the whole thing? So then I had to repeat the whole joke again. Oh my God. She translated it again. <laughs> and then there was still no laugh. And Josh just looked at me and was like. <laughs> and I was just like, at that point, I was just like, that oh. was, Im- it was like, she was really embarrassed and I just went <laughs> completely like a tomato. And I was like, at that point, I was like, I need to be careful when I tell jokes and where I tell them. That's really, um, really funny. It was funny, yeah. So I'd, I'd probably... Um, if I could change that, I would probably not do that again. <laughs> I wouldn't tell that joke again. Um, it kind of happened to me in South Korea as well. I didn't tell a joke, but I was like... I was talking, and the translation in South Korean to English is... To, to any language is so different. Like, mm. it's literally like alien language to mm. us. And the tra- even the translator struggled to understand, like... Get the translation right. Wow. Um, yeah, it was crazy. So I, I was saying lots of, you know, things that would normally get a little giggle or whatever and um, you know, they're just looking at me like that. And <laughs> after a few of them experiences you start to realise like when you can tell jokes and right. when you can't. Yeah. And um I've I've learned a lot from them experiences. So
0: Take solace in the fact that your your joke that bombed now generated a story that is very funny. Yeah. So isn't that irony?
1: Again, yeah, I'm a very optimistic <laughs> optimistic person, so I can take I can definitely take a a positive thing out of something that was very embarrassing at the time and now I can laugh about it so just yeah take solace in the
0: fact that thousands and thousands of people they're <laughs> listening to this driving their cars
1: are laughing <laughs> I hope so because <laughs> I'm laughing when I think back here
0: okay so <laughs> I kind of backed myself into a corner because we're kind of towards the end of the interview yeah and I typically wrap up the interview with a hair horror story yeah and yet you just gave me one I did but I'm gonna I'm gonna. Give you an opportunity to think of another hair horse it can be (laughs) it behind the chair it could be at a show it could be in school it could be in a class where you're teaching and i don't know somebody fainted anything
1: yeah um i've had a few strange things happen um i think the worst thing that happened to me in terms of cutting was when I was, um, just before I started working at Men's um, I Spire, was, I was doing some clipper work in the salon that I was working at on about a 15-year-old guy and a um, 15-year-old boy. And, um, you know, he, he didn't want to go any shorter than like a two, or there's like a six-millimeter six um, guard on a wall. And um, I wasn't really concentrating, I was kind of just clipping away, and then the guard fell off, and then it went right down to a ball oh. zero, and it like was like really high up on the head, and I was like, <laughs> I li- oh, straight away you know like you, you just go into panic mode and you yeah. start sweating you're like I had to say I couldn't have even tried to cover that up like it was it was. Yeah. I, was like, I was like look mate um <laughs> the guard just fell off it's uh, it's not my fault <laughs> nice <laughs> tried you to kind of like sway the immediately uh, yeah. blamed on yeah on the guard, you know yeah. I was young so I was just like <laughs> I, I'm not taking the blame for that like, that was the guard not me <laughs> um And, uh, yeah, I kind of scalped him a little bit, so um, I had to try and save it, which it didn't look too bad in the end, to be honest. But that was kind of like the worst thing that's ever really happened to me in terms of cutting... Um, so, so so a low fade became a really high fade. A, a yeah, low fade became a mohawk. Yeah, a no fade became <laughs> a mohawk. Yeah, I wasn't even going to fade him. It was just going to be like a two on the sides or something. But okay. um, yeah, so that 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 was pretty bad. That was pretty bad. That's probably my my main. That's horror a pretty story good one. Yeah, yeah. Since that, nothing really bad has happened. Touchwood. You know, I've, I've I've kind of nipped a few people's ears over okay. the years and stuff. But that's not really every, everyone. But nothing started. like hospital
0: sort of emergency. Room? No,
1: I've I've been cutting a guy before um, who had been out the night before. I think was really hung over and um he hadn't had enough water or whatever and i was i was cutting him and he kind of like fell asleep and then i was like i kind of looked at him and he was like completely blackout, and and then i was like what the hell kind of like jogged (laughs) him and then he started to fit so he what hit, do you mean? He, I think he had an epileptic fit oh, in shit. my chair, yeah. He had an epileptic fit in my chair for like a few minutes. Like everyone in the salon was just like, what's oh going on? And we were just like, leave him. He sat down, like, don't just make sure he doesn't fall off the chair, had his fit. And then he kind of like came back around a few minutes later and he was like, what just happened? I was like, just stay calm, stay relaxed. He went and get some fresh air and he just like puked up everywhere outside. Oh my God. Was like, yeah, there's obviously something wrong with, like something, I yeah, don't yeah. know what it was. Um, so that was pretty weird. Yeah, That was another like, strange experience. Yeah
0: all right man. (laughs) well I hate to leave it on such a negative note why don't we um, why don't we wrap it up by you telling people where people can find you and Minspire
1: yeah cool so uh, my main page on Instagram is Charlie Gray um, which is G-R-A-Y 248
0: what is the 248
1: for I get asked that a lot um Actually, it is my birthday. Oh. It's the twenty-fourth of August. so That's as simply as that. Um, okay. When I started Instagram, there was uh, people had taken Charlie Gray. So I thought, what few numbers could I add that mean something to me? Okay. So that's 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 all it is. Okay, uh, that was a bit of a secret, but uh, cat just got out of the bag. There, there you go. Now yeah. it's a brand. Yeah. So that's at Charlie Gray two four eight, which is my Instagram. The Academy page is men at Men's Bar Academy. And the salon page is at Men's by Salon. So they're kind of the three main pages that I'm um, in charge of and in control of and stuff like that as well. So all the salon pages, um, all the trims that get put up in the salon from all the boys that work in, in that. And the academy page is just the stuff that we do all on our educational courses. So if you're interested in our education stuff, then follow the academy page, as that has all our information on all our upcoming courses and stuff like that on there. As, awesome. as much as our website, which is wwwmenspirecouk slash academy. Very good. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Really appreciate it. No, man, it's it. been good. I feel like we could chat for a lot longer, which I'm oh, me sure too. you get a lot of the time. Yeah. We've I only know. just skimmed the surface, but it's good. It's me, good. Maybe it's in a little chat. bit, we'll, we'll have a, a revisit. Next time you're in LA, yeah. we'll do it again. Yeah, we can go into more in depth in some other stuff. Hey, guys, I'm back. Next week's
0: pod loot will be a repost on salonrepublic.com. Creators, For a chance to win, write a review on the Apple Podcast app or Stitcher.com for the Droid users out there. The review has to include your exact Instagram handle so I know who you are. Make sure you're following the Hair Game Podcast and Love Eric Taylor on Instagram, and then I put your name in my bag. Each week, I pull a name and I announce the winner at the beginning of every episode. You have to be listening to win, so you can DM me with your mailing address or your email address, whatever I need to send you your pod If you don't win, keep listening because your name stays in my bag in my office. You could win any week on any episode. For complete details, go to salonrepublic.com. Next week's episode will be my interview with Maggie Mulhern from Modern Salon. Until then, have a great week.